Hey, welcome back. It is another riveting episode of the Geek Roulette Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Spreigel. And I am the other host, John Lundquist. Hello, everybody. Hey, guys. Been a while. Hey, you want to hear us like for the fourth consecutive podcast? Oh, it's so busy. Yeah, I mean, I feel at this point like, you know, hey, you know the drill. Life happens. We apologize. You to, know, tell you it's not what, like this is costing you any money. If you want to know why this past month has been such a long, hellish month, listen to our next episode, which will be an arbitrary episode, where I'll explain why getting old sucks. Spoiler alert. does suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I mean, let's be very clear here. I think, let me clarify. Getting old when you have kids suck. Now, by that, I'm not saying my kids suck. The kids are good, but there's a lot of hoops you got to jump through for those kids. Like, yeah. I, I sit there and look at the, like those lonely, like, 55-year-olds, 60-year-olds that are just, you know, their lives are just empty and shallow. Many of you probably listen to this. <laughs> and But, you know, Hello, everybody. it's like, hey, but at least you don't have any obligations. Yeah, you're lonely. That's the trade-off right there. That's the trade. Yeah. I mean, I feel like people kind of like, I don't know if bury the lead's the right word, but like, you know, everybody's like, oh, I've got a kid now. And they play it off like when they're newborn is when it's like super crazy and insane. And don't get me wrong. It can be super crazy and oh, insane. No, newborns like, are awesome. They just sit there. They poop and eat. Yeah, and exactly. That's it. They just kind of, they sleep. They kind of goo every now and then. Yeah, bah, 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 whatever. But you don't really have to do a whole lot with them aside from making sure they aren't like choking on their own spit up or something. But, you know, then they get older and they get into sports and they have after school activities and it just, it, Yeah. Yeah, well, no. like you said, next episode. That's a preview of apparently the bitching that's going to happen oh, yeah. next week. People, do you, do you love a class plus, you know, a plus class bitching? There we go. Next episode. That's right. But hey, that's what are we right. going to talk about this episode? Hey, this past week was the Disney D twenty three event where they like to announce a lot of things, and we're just going to discuss some of it, or we're going to try to. Hmm, we're going to try. Give it our best. Damn it, we will. But. Housekeeping, social media, Facebook, Twitter. Hey, I even put like some posts up on Facebook. Like I feel like it's been quite a while, but I put like some up like last month. What do you want? A participant trophy? I mean, go do stuff, people. I posted things. One was about Sandman. I can't remember what the other was. I think I posted some trailers from Comic Con, maybe. You know I forget we, what they were from. We can touch base on Sandman a little too at the end of this episode because there's really not much to talk about at D twenty three. Spoiler alert. Man, I'm spoiling too much. Can't give it I mean, away, there Mike. Is, there is, but there isn't. I mean it's well Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll discuss that. But yeah, hey, rate us, all that stuff. But yeah, guess what? We're gonna go right into it. We're not gonna dilly dally. You already listened to us be grumpy old men for like about a good several minutes already. Yeah, getting old. <laughs> Sucks badly. Yeah, you know. Uh, let's see. Let's uh, let's do some recommendations. John, what would you like to recommend? I am actually going to recommend something that you had already talked about. You should all go watch Sandman, everybody, because mm. it's pretty damn good. Um, mm. I started it a little bit. Well, not too late, but then I had I, I started know. it like maybe a week after it came out. But then it took me a while to get through it all because you know, okay. getting old kids. Um, but I finally finished it off, including the bonus episode, the, what is it, Dream of a Thousand Cats, and Calliope, I think, is the second part of that one. Um, but it's good stuff. If you have read the comics, you will probably like it. If you haven't read the comics, you will also probably like it. It's very well done. Um, it's a good adaptation, which I feel it strays a little bit from the... Um, I don't like the special effects. 
No? We'll, we'll talk more okay. later. I'm, I'm mixed on it. I thought it was good. It was, it was, it was, yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll get into that bits later, but I thought it was good. Well worth watching. Um, if you have not read the comics, I don't necessarily think you need to go. You, I would almost recommend not going to read the comics first. I would say watch the TV show first. If you like it, then go check out the comics. They're a pretty decent adaptation. They do, like I said, stray from it a little bit, but I, I think this is one where you can go into it without reading them. It's, you're not going to miss anything. They do a good job of my wife would disagree. Need. She would disagree yeah. with that. Interesting. See, I, I, and that could be again biased because I have read the comics. See, and I way, think so. I, I figured it out. Again, let, we'll take back on that at the end of the episode. I, I think I know why she doesn't understand it, and I I get it. Yes, but yes, go watch Sandman. We can dive into all the details later. Unless I talk you out of it later this episode. Maybe. Yes, we'll see. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna. One thing I speak of sometimes is i love xbox game pass and finding old games that I never played when they originally came out and then you know start playing them now one game that was added on to the service months back was a game called dead cells which was a cell based game and eventually it jumped off to computers and platforms also came out about four years ago so it's not new but i was like finding these like little things i never really knew about before it's essentially like almost like a metroidvania kind of game where it's a side platform game kind of reminiscent of old you know old school graphics and everything but you play kind of a prisoner that keeps using possessing bodies of different cells and you're trying to find the king of this island that killed him hoping that will let you escape what I like about the game is this, is that it has a lot of elements that you might you know, see from such games like Sympathy and Night or some of the other later Game Boy era Castlevanias as well. Um, it's a very fun game. What also is good is that it's extremely difficult because it utilizes the permadeath system. So there are things as the game goes on you can unlock, which if you die, you start at the beginning with nothing. So it's a game where... You keep playing through to kind of learn things, and to make it even more difficult is that the different levels that you go in are generated randomly. So you can't memorize a level, go in like, oh, I know what I'm doing. Nope. And there's choices you have to make, and it's trying to understand what's the best balance and choices. All in all, uh, a really fun game. I'd recommend it strongly. It's on uh, Xbox Game Pass, but you can also find it on uh, Apple as well as I- or sorry, iOS as well as Google Play you know, play it on your phone too. So, so it's Dead also Cells. on the switch. I've got it on there. I played it a little while ago, but didn't get too deep into it. And I think I got distracted. It's one that I need to go back and play. Yeah. I like it. Hey guys. So <clears throat> we're talking in about a uh, D 23. And for today's episodes, arbitrary list, I thought, and John seems to have struggled according to him trying to recall some of these, but yeah, naming our top three movie trailers of all time that kind of just blew us away when they came out or they were ones that made us so stoked about the movie. John says he's struggling with this, but I've got a couple, but they're very related and very similar, which we can get into, but you know, so why, why don't you, I don't know if you want to go first. I almost wonder if we're going to have two of the same trailers, but uh, I'm going to say uh, my first one right here. If there was one trailer, that drove everybody into an absolute frenzy when it came out. And it, even the movie itself, you know, I thought was okay when it came out, but there was a lot of dull parts of it. And I think now as time's gone on, I've come to appreciate certain elements of it. It's the trailer of The Phantom Menace when it came back, it came out back in like 98, 99. 
I feel that that was definitely one of those trailers that after almost a multi-decade absence of Star Wars being in movies to finally have that in such key moments like, you know, the you know, the Fates, you know, song, and you have, of course, Darth Maul, double-bladed lightsabers, lightsabers all over the hizzy. It was definitely a trailer that made everybody so rabid for the movie that when you got to those points like, hey, let's talk about, you know, trade federations and sanctions and all of this, you kind of overlooked it eventually, but as time went on, it's like, man, I kind of, that kind of what really was lame in some of those parts. But that trailer, nonetheless, you know, helps set up almost an entire, you know, new generation of Star Wars fans. So, uh, Phantom Menace. Yeah, that was definitely one of mine. I mean, and that was even back in the day when, because now a new trailer comes out and everybody's just like, oh, I'll hop on to, you know, YouTube or whatever, and I'm going to watch it there. And Whereas back in the day, like this, if I remember right, it was on like Meet Joe Black, which was kind of a subpar Brad Pitt movie. And I think it made it like number one that week in the box office just because everybody went to go see the Phantom Menace trailer. And, you know, most people left like immediately afterwards and didn't stay for the movie. Um, That's weird because wasn't Meet Joe Black an R-rated movie? I think it might have been. I don't even remember. I think it was. Yeah, Did you ever I watch it? I have not. I, I would say this. Watch the movie because first, one of my favorite like online memes is where it's just one part where it just keeps showing Brad Pitt getting hit by a car over and over and over again. But it is such a bizarre movie. Oh, my God. It's so I mean, you got Hopkins in it and Brad Pitt and Claire Forlani. But it's one of those movies that it seems seems to go on forever and when you like get to the end of everything it's like ah, this is kind of just odd i yeah 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 so those were the days but yeah it was you know the internet was still fairly young so it wasn't you know i think it eventually got on there because i remember that was where i first watched it was on you know i don't know some site and i remember it just taking forever to load and um but yeah, that was one of mine. It was like for pretty much all the reasons you said. It was just new Star Wars, cool stuff that you were kind of wondering what it was, and it was yeah, that was good stuff back in the day. All right, my uh, my next one might be one you have also on here, especially since you alluded to being related. Uh, I'm gonna say The Force Awakens just for the same reasons about the Phantom Menace. It's just it was one of those it was one of those trailers when it came out. You know, again. Enough time had passed, and part of it was, is man, I hope this washes some of the stink of the prequels, you know, off of the Star Wars franchise and everything. And it, it for the most part, did. I feel that if you take a look at the second trilogy, you know, or the third trilogy, or I don't know how you want to put it, the sequel trilogy? Equal trilogy, I think, is what's generally called. Okay, well... I'd say if you compare that, I think it started out strong with The Force Awakens. I loved Last Jedi, despite how divisive a lot of people feel about it. But, uh, you know, Rise of Skywalker, that was that was horseshit. That was absolute horseshit. I hate that movie with a heartfelt passion. That right there is like almost dialogue of Attack of the Clones bad. That's how bad it is. But that was another one of those trailers when you watched, you couldn't help, especially like seeing like the Millennium Falcon and just seeing some of the things in there, even old Han Solo. Uh, yeah, I, that that was one of my other ones. Yeah, that was definitely mine. Like for pretty much the same reasons. It had been a while since we've got new Star Wars. This one, I think, even more so, I think, than Phantom Mass. I think this, this trailer was cut together better than that one, you know, look, looking at the two of them. I think just because the art of the trailer has been perfected over the last, you know, 20 years since, since Phantom Mass came out to this one. Um, and I feel like this movie delivered a little bit more. You know, I'm a fan of, like you said, I'm a fan of Force Awakens. Um, 
Last Jedi also kind of saying, you know, listen to our review on Rise of Skywalker from whenever that was, what, two years ago now, three years ago, Actually, whatever. I'm just going to save you about an hour. Don't see it. It's a horrible movie. Yeah, we didn't really care for it. It's it's not good. No, um, no. I mean, yeah. it's up there, like, along with Joker in terms of, like, movies I hate with a passion. Yes. So, um, but yeah, that was mine. It's And that's one I can still watch now, and it's still it's still pretty darn good. You know I mean? Whereas the Phantom Menace one, I think now when you watch it, it's like, eh, you know, some cool, it's cool. But I think the, the Force Awakened one still gets you kind of hyped a little bit. So I so, think yeah. the we'll, problem we'll with the Phantom Menace is you see the framework where there could be a good movie in there, but some of the dialogue and some of the pacing or some of the things that Lucas does just, uh, it kind of just yeah. brings it all over I the place. I feel like the one that sticks out to me is that when you get to that one part in the, in the trailer where Sidious is like, you know, wipe them out. All of them, and you're just like, okay, that's going to be awesome. And then it gets to the movie, and like, it doesn't really happen. <laughs> like he, he says it, but you know, it doesn't follow through. I think part of it too is like you see like a battle, and it's like a bunt against like you know the Trade Federation droids and the Gungans, and like I'm torn. Who do I want to win? <laughs> do I and, want? Well, the- and, he, and, he, and he says that, and it's like, why didn't they just like nuke him from orbit? You know, like I mean, just drop a bunch of bombs on everybody. I mean, I don't know, but I, whatever. I don't know. They got. Basically, the droid army was mostly taken out by bolo balls. Nice going, droid army. Yeah. Uh, The last trailer I have, and this one's probably not on your list. Uh, It was around 2006 or 7. I can't remember which year it was, but it was right before uh, New Year's Eve, I think, around Christmas time that year when the trailer came out for this. And it was such an awesome-looking trailer. I think... One thing that will always help a trailer is if it uses a song in a very powerful and effective manner to help kind of convey the message. Ironically enough, to uh, the band, the music used in this trailer, actually Marvel has used a lot of Nine Inch Nails in their trailers because they used uh, Love Is Not Enough in uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer once. They used We're In This Together from Nine Inch Nails in uh, the Avengers first movie. But if there was one song that was in a trailer that helped just accentuate the epicness and awesomeness of what this trailer looked like, it would be the movie 300, which used Nine Inch Nails, just like you imagined. It was one of those things, after seeing the trailer for this, I'm like, oh man, I really want to see this movie. And even when you watch the movie itself, Zack Snyder, let me be very clear, this is probably one of his only one or two good movies because everything else this man has done is absolute pig vomit. Don't like it. Any of his DC stuff. I would rather take a runny dump on a VHS VHS tape and watch that for two hours than watch a Zack Snyder movie. But wow. 300, I think the visual effects he used in that movie, the stylization of it was great. And I feel that was one of the trailers that, you know, beforehand it's like, yeah, that might be good. And then after seeing that trailer, it's like, man, this movie's going to be amazing. And I watched it, and I would say about it was mostly good. There's a lot of weird plot holes in the movie itself, but nothing that's that glaring. So uh, the 300. Yeah, I vaguely remember that trailer being pretty good. I also mentioned that one reminds me, and you mentioned the music, the uh, trailer for, where the hell can I think of? Sin City. And we're back, at, back in the day also being pretty decent. And I forget the, what was it? Some weird band that nobody had ever heard of called The Servant, I believe, did the did the music in that one. But the Sin City trailer, I remember being good too. And that was kind of that same same era, I think. It was also a Frank Miller thing. So yeah, 
Yeah, I Great think trailers. using music and trailers works well as long as it's not too much on the nose. Some songs like you hear and like, oh man, don't that song. Like there's always those like songs you hear that you just hate because you hear it way too much. So Yeah, and then there's those weird generic like trailer songs that come from bands that basically just put together albums that are meant to be put into trailers. They have just that grandiose, you know, I don't know. Yeah. They're not even like one hit wonders. They're like songs where, man, we just want to like get her just enough to get a record deal. And then we'll earn like three cents a month from like all of our like digital streaming rights. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it's a uh... wait. No, was Sin City your last one? John. Everybody, we're having a technical difficulty right now. John's froze. He's got horrible internet. Oh, man. Do I have to solo this episode now? What, now? Uh, I can barely hear you, man. You got to get some better internet, man. Apparently. I'm in the sticks. Yeah, you are definitely in the sticks. I mean, you can't even get rid of bats in your schools. Apparently. I was looking. I don't even know. It doesn't even really say what school that was that that happened in. We have bats in our school in a school down here. People, be careful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you deserve that. So D twenty three has kind of become over the past several years kind of the event that Disney likes to use to unveil a lot of their upcoming projects, new things, movies, TV. Now, like stuff on Disney Plus, and this year has come and gone, and. General thoughts about this uh, year's D23, John. There's some good stuff. I don't, they didn't really seem to announce a lot of new stuff per se. Like there was a lot of trailers definitely for, you know, there's a lot of cool Star Wars trailers, but it was all for stuff that I felt we kind of knew was coming. It was nice to see, but I don't think they really announced anything new for Star Wars. I mean, I could be forgetting about something and probably am. And, you know, same for Marvel. Like, they didn't really, and even Marvel is even less so. Like, they didn't really even show, I think the only Marvel trailer we got was for, what, Secret Invasion, I want to say. Right. They didn't really announce a whole lot unless there was that when we got Daredevil Born Again. No, Daredevil Born Again got announced earlier than that, I want to say. Um, I think Daredevil Born Again was, like, at San Diego, maybe. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was fine it was cool but it didn't really there wasn't like a one huge like you know where the new star wars movie is going to be this in fact like a few days after d23 they kind of announced that a star wars movie isn't coming out that rogue squadron one that patty jenkins had announced you know, to be doing which was supposed to be the next uh star wars feature film that was supposed to be coming out, i think next year um got taken off of the schedule they didn't say flat out canceled but that's you know probably kind of reading between the lines probably flat out canceled so um so, yeah, I mean, it was some nice stuff, but kind of underwhelming at the same time. So I have two theories here. Theory one is this. So I agree, very underwhelming for the most part, a lot of the stuff that, you know, kind of came through. Uh, nothing that really, I'd say, blew me away. There's some things like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good and everything, but nothing, again, that I think was, like, you know, dro- enough to drive – I think either me or a lot of fan bases into a fervor about things. If I were to say there was two themes about this entire D23, the first one is a lot of rehash. I watched like a whole kind of refresh myself the other day for this episode. I podcast episode. I watched all of the D23 trailers and my wife is in the room 
And we were sitting there, and after a while, I'm like, you know what? It's a lot of rehash. I feel that there's a lot of safe things that they are doing because you're looking, oh, look, it's Hocus Pocus 2, or it's Inside Out 2, or a lot of sequels. It's another Enchanted movie. And I guess, great, you're kind of going to, like, you know, what have been well-established franchises. I feel that's one thing I've noticed is maybe Disney at this point wants to play it safe, and this feeds into my secondary theory I have here. I feel that one thing maybe Disney has done that has worked against them in some ways with the D23 event is you think about previous D23s and a lot of the stuff they've announced, and like, oh, man, this is awesome and everything. Part of me wonders is that has Disney done themselves too much problems by announcing so many of these products in the future, because a lot can happen in a couple of years. A lot of things can change. The movie marketplace can change. They've, maybe they've had a few movies that, while have done well, haven't been as critically loved as some of the other ones there. So do they need to play things quieter to cuff and like not have to, like, like when you think about like the phase, like the next phase and all the movies announced, you know, in the next phase coming out and everything, I sit there and think, that's a lot of movies right there. And like to your point about the, you know, Rogue Squadron, you know, thing. What if something happens? There's a problem with the director and all of a sudden all this advanced notice you're giving on these like movies crumbles and falls apart because yeah. of little things. Or think about like I the mean, announced like Black Panther, you know, you know, what kind of forever a few years ago. And then you have a lead actor from the movie pass away. You know, like even I, I guess even another thing I think about is this is that while one of the biggest announcements over this past like few months that has got me so stoked is the Daredevil Born Again, that's not coming out until 2024. That's a long ways away right there. So yeah. I, I think that's kind of as they played maybe very tight lip because they just maybe are starting to rethink things based on the reception of other things. I don't know if that's you feel the same way or if you have a different view of it. There's definitely some truth there. I mean, we had that, you know, I think, what was it, the investors call where they announced like, you know, like, 10 different Star Wars projects and two of those so far have been, you know, the, the, what was it? One was called the, the Republic Rangers or something like that. That got canceled. And now this rogue squadron got canceled. It almost feels like when they're doing these events, they're trying to like, let's just throw all sorts of stuff. You know, everything we've got in the books, let's just, you know, tell everybody what we're doing so they can get excited and they go out and, you know, watch more stuff and they subscribe to Disney plus and they do all this stuff. And, you know, but then as time goes along, like you said, like, you know, oh, crap, we had problems with, you know, Gina Carino and, you know, she was going to be the lead of that probably. And, you know, that's not going to happen now. And whatever happened with the, you know, the Patty Jenkins Rogue Squadron thing. And, you know, I don't, it hasn't really happened with Marvel stuff yet, luckily. But like you said, there's a lot of stuff on the schedule and a lot can happen in between the time some of the stuff gets announced. You know, like that Agatha Harkness show got announced like a year ago. And that's probably not coming out till sometime next year, I don't think, you know, and who knows what could happen between now and then. Um, I almost wonder if some of it isn't, you know, like, are we getting some lag from from COVID? Like, they feel like they just have to announce everything because there wasn't, there's not as much coming out new as they would maybe like because, you know, COVID kind of put put a slowdown on everything and, you know, we're, you know, more or less out of COVID or at least the worst part, worst of it is behind us. Um, and so now they're kind of like, you know, since some stuff got canceled or had to get put on hold, they're like, okay, we need to just start announcing things that we have that are probably going to come out just to get people excited so that, you know, they maybe don't pay as much attention to the fact that there's not as much coming out now. Well, so. I, I even think most of the stuff they announced, I mean, they did have a good variety of movies they announced, but I almost kind of feel that 
there was so much more that they're focusing on Disney Plus, and honestly, I think that's what's been probably getting far better reception is the stuff they've had on Disney Plus than it's been their movies over the past, let's say, a few years or so. You know, I mean, people kind of felt, you know, a little sour and off with the Eternals, you know. I, I think the movies, they're all selling tickets still. I think it's just that I I think that Disney has realized almost like the amount of energy and effort it takes into making some of these movies and the cost is the return of investment there. And I think that's where announcing like 10 different Marvel movies. All right, you did that. But then they realized, oh, man, we got to make these movies now. And again, like... So yeah. much going to happen in that period of time. Well, I almost wonder too if part of the reason maybe they aren't shifting a little bit more towards Disney Plus is that, you know, like I don't know what the, what the statistic is, but like every time you hear like these budgets for these movies, you find out, you know, this X amount of it is, you know, the actual making of the movie, but then there's just an insane amount that just goes into like marketing and and pushing these things out there. And I feel like when it's like a Disney Plus show, you don't quite have to do near as much promotion. I mean, obviously you got to promote it, you got to put trailers out, you got to do the press junkets and all that stuff. But I feel like it's kind of on a smaller scale because, you know, you can kind of advertise it on your own platforms, you know, on Disney Plus and whatever. But it just, I feel like the, the investment on like marketing isn't quite as much there. Because, I mean, they're certainly, for the most part, I mean, they're still spending money on these things. I mean, most of the Marvel stuff, the Star Wars stuff certainly still looks, you know, for the most part, very, you know, very good. I mean, certainly, certainly movie quality on a lot of it, if not all of it. But, uh, and, you, you know, know, I mean, that's probably part of it there. To dive into some things here, like, you know, going through what I think was almost like a, like a rehash parade. And it's not new. I think we've known for a while, like, Hocus Pocus 2 is coming out. And watching that trailer, I just sat there and like, who is this movie for? You know, I mean, I, I would say it's kind of a niche thing. Probably in the, more of a niche than my niche love of, like, Disney's The Black Hole, I guess, when it comes down to it. But, but you know, watching it, it's like, eh, it's feels safe and boring granted i will say i'm probably not the target audience but then that got me thinking who is the target audience for this this is a movie that came out like 20 plus years ago almost and you know who who is clamoring for that you know it's, it's got to be hitting that like nostalgia i mean you know to you know i've never seen it go figure um but it, I think it's Hocus Pocus has kind of always been one of those like, oh, it's this great, you know, almost cult following. And now they can announce it and everybody's like, oh, I remember that movie. It was great. I'm going to go see this new one. You know, so it's I'm sure that that's got to be what they're banking on because my, my kids who this is, this would, you know, and your kids as well, who this would presumably be aimed at have never heard of Hocus Pocus and could care less about Hocus Pocus too. You know, they might as well have just made something new. Well, and again, like the disenchanted movie, you know, with Amy Adams again, all right, you know, the first movie had a little, you know, good fan following for it in itself, but, you know, doing a sequel almost like 15, 16 years later, again, it's just weird trying to figure out who who's the movie for at this point. Now, I don't want to sit there and, like, you know, drive, like, an entire crap parade all over this because I realized that I've just moments ago I was like, oh, man, the Star Wars trailers got me so excited. So to your point, nostalgia, I think, definitely – fuels a lot of it but i also wouldn't consider those two movies blockbusters as well where it had enough exposure to i think be able to make any sort of impact as an example yeah i mean it's it it's definitely interesting i mean there def, there's a lot of stuff here that's you know like you said it's rehashes it's stuff that we've seen before it's sequels to other movies that have been out before i mean you know indiana jones 5 or whatever it is you know the one that doesn't have a title they showed some footage for that and it's you know, it's Harrison Ford's retiring again, you know, I mean, it's, it's, 
it, I don't know, it, it is. It's kind of odd. Like, they're kind of aiming just, like, they're going to shooting a scatter gun or something like that. So let's hope we get something, you know, the, the parents will watch it. Maybe the kids will like it. Maybe they'll get some buzz on the internet. And it it's kind of an odd way to go about things, you know, that word of mouth, I think, and nostalgia is going to carry a lot of this stuff. Well, we have the live-action Pinocchio that's coming. And, again, I think Disney won't be done until they live-action everything. You have, of course, the announcement of the live-action Peter Pan and Wendy. You have the trailer to The Little Mermaid, which has managed to almost upset the majority of anybody that didn't care about The Little Mermaid in the first place. I mean, though, oh, my God, The Little Mermaid is black. Yeah? Yeah, Yeah, it's one of those where I'm sure 90% of people don't care or like it you know like it, this this is a case i think where it's the majority or the minority if i can talk the minority is definitely being very vocal about it because i'm sure most people either a don't care or b think it's cool you know i mean it's you know if you're wasting your time on the internet being angry about the little mermaid live action adaptation then you, you, you there's something really wrong with you my daughter when she saw that trailer her only comment she had which i think was not funny is that she didn't care if she was black her thing is her hair's not red enough. And my response to that is, I hate to break it to you, honey, but no redhead's hair is that red. And if it is, it's not real. Yeah, not generally. It's pretty pretty rare. Uh, they announced a Mufasa Lion King prequel because... Mm, of course. Is that going to be... No, is that going to be animated or is that going to be like this live action thing, which, you know, I hesitate to say live action since everything was CGI in that last one, the... That they did with what was it, Favreau? I think directed. I uh, don't know. Don't really care. Um, I don't know what. I think the hard part when you do a prequel about a character, you know, it's going to die. That it's like, oh, what story yeah. do you have to tell about that character that's profound and helps inform anything from the other movie? I one one thing I saw on the internet, which I thought was funny, is that it is kind of weirdly morbid in the Lion King, the original, when it came out in the nineties. That. You have, you know, Simba singing, I can't wait to be king, which basically is like, hey, I can't wait till my dad dies. Which became then a self-fulfilling prophecy right there. So nice work, Simba. Way to be a douchebag. Pretty much, yeah. I'm looking at the, there's a little blurb about it here. It just says, we don't know much, but we do know we'll tell the story of Simba's father, Mufasa, with Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner returning as Pumbaa and Timon. So yeah, it doesn't even say if it's animated or if it's whatever, which I don't really care. I mean... And I don't know, I mean, the whole, you know what's going to happen, these character things has never really bothered me, because I'm definitely more of the, you know, it's all about the journey as opposed to the destination. So, I mean, there could be a good story there, but I don't know that I, you know, that that would have been one I would have been like, ooh, I would need to see what Mufasa's backstory is. I mean, you just kind of, yeah, I don't know, you just, who cares, I suppose. Uh, Live action Snow White, again, I don't know, no way. You're doing a live action movie? It's become kind of a weird, stale thing. Uh, I... Pixar has movies coming out, which I really haven't been impressed with most of Pixar's movies over their last you know few movies. I think I like Soul, but that was maybe about it. Yeah, they did what Inside Out two. I think was the big announcement for them on that one. Then there's a bunch of others, a bunch of other stuff here. I've got like a list, and it's yeah, but nothing. You know, we'll we'll see nothing that like as an announcement alone that I really care about, and I can't imagine most people do. Um, It'll be one of those, let's wait until we can see what, you know, see at least a trailer or something as opposed to just, they're making this movie called this. Disney announced yeah. about four or five animated movies or Disney Plus exclusives, which again, 
all it was is just announcements, nothing really else to go behind it. So again, it's one of those scenarios like, all right, you just told us it was there. But again, it's hard to get excited about some of that stuff too. Like, oh, hey, we got this movie to come out about this. And like, oh, wow, awesome. Yeah, like there's a Utopia one. There's, what is, what's this one called? This one is called Waju or something like that. I don't know which looks like just a picture they released for it, not an actual trailer. There is one, I did see a trailer that came out earlier this year, for that comes out in a couple months here, called Strange World. That actually looks kind of interesting. It's like a sci-fi family thing that could be interesting. Um, yeah, just a lot of, as far, yeah, like the Disney animation side, just a lot of generic stuff. Nothing super great, super exciting, you know. Uh, they're writing that in Canto money. They don't need to make any effort for a yeah. while now. I would say Lucasfilm is where they probably had the most amount of, I think, substance when it came to trailers. You had a, another Andor trailer, which I was again, kind of they released it because, like, it, by the time that came out, like, it was only three weeks out. Well, and I, I think it's weird too because I think Andor is one of those things too where when you have like a side—I wouldn't say a side or a co-character from like Rogue One—I don't. I think it's harder because it's not like people were clamoring for it. I think the view of how like the Republic or the Rebellion began will be interesting itself. I think it kind of falls in that same territory. You kind of know what happens to Andor, so there's not that takes some of the suspense away where you know he's going to live through at least the series. It's just what else happens in the series, and you kind of hope there's yeah. more to it there. And this was one I'll admit, like when they first announced they were doing an Andor series, I was kind of on the line, like same when they announced Han Solo and Boba Fett were getting their own thing. I was kind of like, really? Like who who wants to see an Andor show? But I will say like this, this is one where the trailers where I wasn't super hyped about it. Like, you know, like we were, we had mentioned in our arbitrary list. I will say this is one where the trailers kind of turned me around. It looks like it's really well done. Um, and I'm curious to see what it is. I think this, this coming, what, Wednesday we get, I want to say, and I think we yep. get two episodes right off the bat, two, maybe three. three. Yeah. Um, so I am looking forward to that. That'll be, that'll be cool. You had a uh, willow, which I, <clears throat> I really wasn't a super fan of the first, you know, when the movie came out, it's not a bad movie. I think the problem that willow always had is that it had the bad mistake of trying to follow up after, you know, Lucas's star Wars series. I don't think no matter what, you never wanted to be the guy yeah. to come in and try the movie to come in and try to follow that up. Yeah, and that was one, like the original movie, you know, we watched it, you know, a few times when we were kids. It was, you know, not like one of our favorites, but it was definitely one that got played, you know, on occasion. It's, I think it's one, I haven't seen it lately, so it's one I think I look back on more probably with rose-colored glasses. I think if I were to watch it today, I probably wouldn't be near as impressed with it. Um, the trailer for this new series, though, looks interesting. The cast they have seems to be pretty good. Um and I'll be curious. This is one I'll be watching, you know, at least the first few episodes, and we'll see how it is. But it looks, it looks like it's pretty well done. But again, we'll see. You have uh, the Bad Batch, which sixteen episode season, which you know I, I tend to like most things that you know Filoni does. So I I don't have a problem with it. I think it also again falls in that range that it's hard to know what kind of story you're going to tell. I think the problem now with the prequel series is they've mined so much of the series itself and expanded on so much of it that again, you, you kind of lose some of the impact knowing that it can't be that profound because you can't already know how everything's happened. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll be kind of curious to see where that goes. That was one. I was kind of surprised to see getting a second season announced. I kind of figured it was going to be there. You know, they're going to do a one and done with that one. Um, since like you said, there's not a whole lot of time frame there to play with. Um, you know, and they announced what's her name, Omega 
And I think that's that's almost the thing. I think when they do kind of, it seems like what Star Wars does when they announce these series that take place in between other things, you know, so that we're, you know, people don't totally go like, well, I know what happens to these characters, you know, they're they're dead because they're not in these other ones. They they introduce these other characters like Grogu, they introduce Omega, you know, or whoever it might be. Um, and so it kind of gives you something else like, well, where's this person? You know, or Ahsoka, heck, in the original Clone Wars series, you know, that you kind of wanted, like, what happens to this person because they're not in this other thing. So you kind of assume that maybe they're dead. Like, I think that was a thing everybody assumed with Ahsoka was, you know, she must be dead because she's in the Clone Wars. She's a big character, but she's not around later on. So what happened? But, you know, we find out, no, she actually did last through at least, you know, well past Return of the Jedi times. And, you know, so, and presumably we'll find out where she's been at in her series. But, uh... But yeah, I think that's one thing that they've kind of done to throw is you get these extra characters to kind of follow and see what where they end up at. You had the Tales of the Jedi shorts. I had a you know preview for that, which I will say it is kind of interesting to kind of help expand a lot more on Count Dooku. So with that, I'm, I'll be curious about that because really he had, unless you're one of those people that read the novels and the books and stuff, great for you. But there's really not much that's really helped flesh out a lot of his background. And he's just kind of almost a generic bad guy in the prequel movies. So yeah, that, that'll I, I be do feel he kind of he got kind of short shrift in the prequels where he's somebody who you can definitely tell there's a lot more there. Um, he does thankfully get a lot more in the Clone Wars. But you can definitely tell, like, even before he became a Sith, like, he was, you know, people kind of talk about, like, he trained with Yoda and he was uh, Qui-Gon's master, I think, wasn't he? Yes. Um, you know, so he clearly has something going on in his backstory, like what made him finally turn to the Sith and abandon the Jedi. So I'm, yeah, I'm like you, I'm curious to see where that is. I have read one that, well, I haven't read it. It was like an audio drama. I think they call it technically an audio book, but that was pretty well done, but didn't really go into his Jedi years. It was more like leading up to that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that looked interesting. You get, yeah, there's Dooku, there's some Ahsoka stuff there. So, so that'll be interesting to see that. And some Mace Windu, obviously, too. Um, yeah, the Ahsoka series where, you know, nothing except stills for that, which, all right, you're going to watch it. Not a problem there. They had the skeleton crew of Jude Law, which, again, hey, here's some pictures, no other details. And, all right, whatever. Uh, you had the Mandalorian season three trailer, which really you don't need a trailer for the Mandalorian three, if unless you just want every like nerd news outlet to like dissect things frame by frame and like try to super guess and everything. We're gonna watch yeah. it. Let's be very clear. I mean, yeah, yeah. Basically, I mean, this is one, and the trailer. I mean, it was a cool trailer, but it didn't really show you a whole lot aside from just you know some cool shots of you know Mandalorian Grogu. You got some. Uh, Oh, why can't I think of her name? Mandalorian gal. Oh, uh, Starbuck. Katana. Yeah. Um, you got some of that, but I mean, it didn't really show you anything super dramatic. It was kind of basically, yeah, just like a, hey guys, look, Mandalorian's gonna be coming pretty soon. Which, like you said, they could easily just announce like Mandalorian's coming out this time and not give you anything else, and people would still flood to it. But you know, the media cycle, all that, we gotta hype things so. So we got a trailer for that. Yeah, Indy 5, which, all right, the fourth one was pretty bad. So, Yeah, supposedly they showed some footage from that at the at the thing. It's one of those things that where they didn't release it online at all, and it was, I don't remember, it was like a horse chase or something I think I saw. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, like you said, the fourth one was pretty nasty. So this one, maybe, we'll see. I don't know, skeptical. 
Then uh, you move into the Marvel movies. You have Wakanda Forever, which we've already seen a trailer for, but not much else added to it. I think everybody's going to be very curious just to see what you can do with the movie with, you know, again, having your lead gone, basically, and how they kind of flesh that out. Hey, guess what? Here's Iron Hearts. Yeah, all right, cool. That that'll be a show. Yeah, and again, yeah, and again, we didn't get anything there aside from I think some people talking on stage. I think they announced a few casting things, which doesn't really mean anything because most people don't even know who Ironheart is, much less her supporting cast. You're on the same thing. Hey, Ant Man and Wasp. You know, hey, that's that's also coming out. And yep, I'm kind of surprised they didn't do a trailer for that because that's not too far in the future at least and that's i think it's done shooting i want to say so you'd think they would have had something there but again that was just yeah like they were just standing on stage and like hey this is coming out guys now one thing they did release a trailer for because it comes out next month and this one i'll be curious about is the werewolf by night that right there all right i'll be curious because yeah it's definitely feels like something marvel hasn't done before i guess or at least approached in that sense it almost yeah. feels Sam Raimi-esque in some ways. Yeah, I mean, if I can pretend like I'm like 16 years old, it looks like it's just buck wild. Like, I don't know, the trailer looks just insane. There's so much crazy, like there's man things in there and, you know, a zombie guy. It looks, like you said, more different than anything else they've put out. Definitely very Raimi-esque, definitely more horror-themed than than anything else. I'll be, I'll be curious to see. It's presented as kind of like a noir almost B movie type thing. So I'll be, I'll be curious to see what it is. Um, I think what's your name? Elsa Bloodstone supposed to be in that. So, you know, that, that gets us one step closer to be having the, uh, the next wave movie, you know, the uh, other thing they had a trailer for with Marvel and this one, it does look interesting. I'll be, again, it's going to be one of those things that I like to see how this fits in and how they adapt it. But that's secret invasion, which, it's kind of a probably an adaptation of a st- comic storyline about how the scrolls try to infiltrate, you know, the earth and take things over. From I saw the trailer, I think it's good enough. I think the hard part is is that looking, you know, can Sam Jackson, Kobe Smothers, and Don Cheadle, you know, carry like an entire series? Yeah, I will say this was the trailer for this was a lot more low key than I was expecting. I mean, because I mean, in the comic books, this was a huge crossover event and actually it was the comic event that got me to quit comics for a few years um which that's another story but yeah this felt more a lot more low-key it's a lot more like cloak and dagger kind of behind the scenes thing whereas i feel like the comic book series was very much more in your face actual invasion plus there were some scroll people in the background so i'll be curious to see if there's any big reveals of you know Bucky's been a scroll this whole time, even though you know that's not going to happen. You know, but if if there's any actual major reveals of somebody who's been a scroll for however long it's been that they've been a scroll, um, it'll it'll be interesting. I mean, it piqued my interest, but again, there wasn't a whole lot here, content-wise. This trailer kind of gave you a little bit of what was going on, and if you're somebody who didn't know that this was coming, I suppose it let you know that it was coming. So, so there's that. When does this one, when's that one come out? That comes out next year. Everything's next year at this point. Yeah. Early next year, it looks like. So yeah, you had that. And then everything else is just announcements, basically. Hey, there's a show, Armor Wars. Loki's having another season. Really? Fantastic Four is going to be a movie. No way. I think they announced the director is going to be the guy that did WandaVision, which, you know great i mean that was a well done show so cool but i mean i'm not going to get super excited about a director announcement especially when it's somebody who's pretty much in house for them already 
Yeah, and I think part of it too is that again, this is this is something that's still like two years away at this point. I think that's yeah. that's I think the biggest problem. I, and it goes back to what I was saying is that yeah, it's great you've announced it, but a lot can change in two years. I mean, yep. it November eighth, twenty twenty four. So so more than two years out. Right. So good, awesome. I'm looking forward to it, but. So much can happen in between now and then. We'll see what the final product looks like. Yeah, and then yeah, there's Echo, Daredevil, Born Again, which we kind of mentioned. They announced the title for the Captain America movie, New World Order. And oh, then, no, the, Hulk Hogan's going to be in it. Yes, and that, uh, what's his name? The leader from the the, the Hulk movie is going to be in there. The, who's the actor? I can't remember his name. I don't know, the actor that played lead that, he was like the post-credits tease, I think, in the Incredible Hulk movie. And every I even remember seeing a few months back, like it was kind of one of those weird dangling plot threads that he was out there and we hadn't seen him yet. So, hey, guys, guess what? Marvel's apparently paying attention and he's going to be back. Mm, yay. Um, uh, I thought the Thunderbolts, again, interesting with, hey, here's some like you know concept art. But guess what? Maybe this might sound familiar two years away. <laughs> Yeah, I did think the team was interesting. I did think it was kind of funny that somebody was basically like, yeah, it's basically, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier and uh, and Black Widow put together and Ghost thrown in there for good measure because the team is, what, it's U.S. Agent, Bucky, uh, Red Guardian, Ghost, Taskmaster. I can't remember. I think there's one other one I'm forgetting about in there. Guess what? Somebody else. Two years away, a lot can change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you said, it's summer of 2024, so yeah, that's a ways out there. And, you know, there's a lot of other things that were announced that really not going to probably put too much energy to bring it up, except, again, why do we need another stupid Avatar movie? I really feel that Avatar Avatar is such an overrated movie, and by that, I mean the uh, stupid Blue People show and not the live-action version of the Nickelodeon cartoon. Yes. That's not overrated. That is completely rated properly as being a piece of shit. Yeah, it's I'm I'm looking forward to that coming out just so I can see like the how it does because I mean it's been so long since the original came out, which I wasn't a huge fan of that I'm curious to see like if anybody cares anymore. Like I think the big reason that original one did so well is because it was like the first really well done three D movie. So I think people just went to it for that and I don't know if there's a whole lot of people that really actually care about the franchise as a whole. You know, maybe if they'd done another movie or two right off the bat, they would have gotten some more fans. But since it's been however long since we got that one, like, I don't know how many people really actually care about this one. So they've almost got to do the work all over again of getting people excited about the universe and have to, you know, make people care about these characters again, because there's gonna be a fair amount of people that either see this movie or don't that don't know about it and don't care about these characters. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's yeah, a, uh that's about D twenty three. Unless there's anything else you want to bring up with it. No, I mean there's like you said, there's Muppets. There was a there was a little teaser for Percy Jackson and the Olympians, which my family's looking forward to. So the kids have read that book, and that looks you know, but there wasn't a whole lot there. Again, it was a teaser. Um, yeah, nothing nothing terribly crazy. Crazy. There was Santa Claus with Tim Allen because you know Tim Allen needs to work. National Treasure series, but yeah, nothing. Nothing super crazy. Um, yeah, like you said, like they announced a lot of stuff. I feel like they felt like almost like, hey, we don't like have a huge announcement to make at this year's D23, so let's just give them quantity over quality and just hope that satiates the masses and, you know, we'll throw a bunch of crap at the wall and see what sticks. 
Yep. So, uh, circle back before we wrap up this episode. Sandman. So I still uh, have yes. only two episodes left, and my my points are this one. It's doing a well enough job to adapt the comics, and it seems faithful enough to the comics. There's some changes in there, but I get probably why they made the changes. I would say this: the special effects to me seem bad. They they just seem kind of really. Maybe the better way to put it is obvious. That's how it looks like. It looks like yeah. it. It looks like some of those late episode special effects you'd find in like Star Trek Voyager, where you're like, oh, oh yeah, I guess that's that, but you kind of like looks kind of hokey. Yeah, I think the stuff in the real world, for me at least, the stuff in the real world doesn't look too bad. But as soon as they do some of the stuff in the dreaming, it just looks overly CGI, which for good reason because it is all overly CGI. You know, because of course it is. Um. I don't think it was anything that's going to make me not watch it, but yeah, I mean that's definitely definitely a concern with it. The acting, I think, for the most part, is all good except for the Sandman. I feel that's some of the weakest acting in the show. Yeah, and I don't know how much of that. Like, I, he didn't bother me. I don't know how much of that is though, just because Sandman, like Morpheus himself in the comics, even. Is kind of just a drab, dull, like... like I think bag. he's doing a good job. I think it's almost more the character, because the Sandman has never really been the most interesting part about that series. You know, it's always been what's going on around him and the characters he's interacting with, and, like, he's never really been the best part of that series. You know, it's always been like, oh, he's in hell. What's going on with Lucifer and what's happening in hell? Which I think that's... Is that next? the next book? Is that when they go to hell? I assume, since they kind of teased it. Oh, you haven't watched that episode yet. Yeah, no, I've um, watched it. Well, yeah, I mean, that it... I don't know how much of that is that act, the actor's fault. I think it's more a problem with Morpheus, you know, Sandman himself, and that he's just never been the most interesting part of his book, you know. I think the attack on... I mean, people, people are more interested in death a lot of times than they are, you know, think she's more interesting than he is, and they're not necessarily wrong. And I think the tie back into a point you made earlier about, hey, you know, it's pretty easy to follow. You've read it. I've read it. My wife, she had some concerns, and I think after kind of listening to her and thinking about it, it makes sense. I think one of the elements of the comic is, is that there is a lot of internal monologue that happens in the comics and that flushes out so much of the series itself. It's not a, it's not a comic where so much of the exposition comes from the characters. It comes from more subtler things. So you take away a lot of that inner monologue and you have to rely more on your actors and some of the other elements of the show itself. And I can see why she's lost because for her, it's like, I have no idea what the story of the Sandman is or who the endless are or who some of these people are. I'm like, you're right. They haven't probably done a proper job of maybe helping elaborate some of that. But again, they're kind of following what the comic is. But again, if you look through a comic, the comic probably does a better job of explaining through like, you know, you know, various exposition bubbles or anything to help explain things out. So I wouldn't necessarily say that this is a very accessible series. It's accessible for us because we probably read it. But if I had to put it in the lens and filters of, you know, my wife or probably others that are watching it, I could see where some things might be a little bit confusing because of that. 
Yeah, and it is stuff like there's some stuff that they, I'm assuming they get to go that long, um, which that's another note. I actually just read an article before we got on here. Um, like they mentioned the missing one, you know, which is one of the endless, you know, that they kind of just mention and a couple times offhand, which people are like, well, what the hell are they talking about there? You know, that, that will get explained at some point down the line. Um, I don't feel like they do a whole lot of that, but yeah, I can definitely see, like there's a lot going on in the world with the Sandman and there is some stuff I feel like back in the day, this was before, because now kind of those, those, what characters are thinking is kind of taking a different turn in comics narrative. Whereas back then it was a little bit more acceptable to do a lot of that stuff. Like, you know, the characters didn't say as much. They kind of thought stuff and you got a lot more of that than, than you do now. And that maybe for better or worse kind of carried over to this. I've, my wife was kind of curious to watch it. She hasn't started yet. I might watch it with her. And I'll be curious to see what her thoughts on it are. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to be like, Hey honey, that's the Lucifer. That's in the Lucifer show that you like, technically speaking. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's one of those that might not appeal to everybody. I think it's definitely worth giving a shot. Um, I don't think anybody's going to hate it. It's not that bad. Um, I, and it's, it's, I don't think it's bad. I think it's one of those things, if you were to tell me it didn't get a second season, I could see it. I could see why. And that was, and that was what I'd actually I'd read today, that basically Neil Gaiman and everybody are basically plowing ahead forward with writing. So they haven't gotten the green light yet, but they're actually going ahead and like writing season two and kind of doing some of those pre-discussions of like, you know, okay, which, which of this stuff are we going to need to be, you know, are we going to be able to shoot in real time and some of what's going to be CGI. They're kind of doing the pre-production stuff, even though they haven't got the green light, which kind of makes you wonder, like they must have something written into their contract where if Netflix doesn't renew it, they can shop it around to somebody else. And you know that with the positive word of mouth that got when it first came out, somebody will pick it up somewhere. Well, it's, I think it's the other thing that's ironic as well is that it's on Netflix, even though it's produced by Warner Brothers, which technically makes you wonder why wasn't it on HBO to begin with, you know, because that would have made probably more sense. But then to your point there, shopping it around, well, seeing what HBO is doing now in terms of cuts and everything with now their merger or discovery, it's not like they're going to be able to bring that over there as well either. And it's not like Netflix also has a good track record when it comes to shows giving them second seasons or letting them finish. They've, that's definitely one of their biggest hangups. No, yeah, I think that's almost, you know, another topic we could talk about maybe in the arbitrary episode is like where where streaming is now, because I think this last six months heck, I think streaming's kind of taken this weird turn in where what the what the world look like looks like in streaming. Whereas, you know, we did a streaming episode I think a while ago where we talked about talked about it a little bit, but I think it's probably worth to mention again, um, because yeah, between Netflix and HBO Max and some of the other stuff out there, like it's it's an interesting landscape at the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think that wraps up this episode. Hooray! We did an episode. Yeah, congratulations to us. Yep, time for a celebration whiskey. Oh yeah, well, whiskey, folks. Tune in to the next episode because you'll get to learn a lot of things I hate. We don't ever dwell on that sort of stuff, do we? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> this is basically this podcast originally should just be like Mike's enemies list. Things Mike hates. Mike's pissed off about something. Which is status quo. Accurate. And John is ambivalent. Mm-hmm. John tries to like wear the rose-colored glasses where Mike sets the glasses on fire. Everything's going to be okay, everyone. Till it isn't. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. I'm still Mike Spraggle. 
And I am pretty sure still John Lundquist. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.